Welcome to the Bike Life Podcast by Warm Showers Foundation, where we will be sharing knowledge, experience, tools, and stories of touring cyclists and hosts from around the world. I'm Tavar Lee, the woman behind the scenes at Warm Showers Foundation, the leading platform for cyclists looking for hosts and to connect with a passionate international community. Find out more by visiting us at warmshowers.org. This Bike Life podcast is brought to you by bikeflights.com, your source for the best bicycle shipping service and bike shipping boxes. Whether you're shipping for a trip or after a sale, whatever your shipping needs, Bike Flights makes it easy. Take advantage of Bike Flights convenient residential pickups and they'll come and get your shipment directly from your home or wherever you're staying. Visit bikeflights.com forward slash warm showers for more information. Now on to the show. Welcome back to another episode of Bike Life. And today I'm joined by an endurance athlete that channels her passion for endurance to raise funds for global clean water projects. And one of the challenges she's had is she was the youngest person to row solo across the Atlantic. And it's so interesting. And I cannot wait for you all to hear more from her and her experience. And welcome to the show, Katie. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate that you have undergone a lot of challenges as an endurance athlete. It's so inspiring. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I never imagined that this would be my path, but um, really just uh, taking it one step at a time, one mile at a time has has really been where this journey has all began. So um, it's definitely a humbling thing to go from being a bench warmer to now, mm. like, being a world record holder and definitely far beyond anything I ever imagined. So tell us about that. Tell us like what what is what was your career in athletics as a whole? How did that start and how did you get to where you are now? I know that's a big question. So yeah, take so us through it. It it started um like most people I would say get involved in athletics in their their childhood years and by middle school, when it started getting super competitive, that's where I was like, I just want to have fun. I'm good. I don't want to be involved with this. And so Mm -hmm. I, um, I was in a situation where I needed to take one more gym class to get my degree. And by process of elimination, I was avoiding all the team sports and trying to get an easy A. And so that naturally led me to a walking running class And so I was like, fine, I'll just walk. I'll do the bare minimum just to get this class over with. And it was during that class where I, you know, I I was forced to be there. And so I I was like, well, I might as well try to run one mile. And that was something I never did before. And I already made up these stories about, oh, the running's for those people. And um, I'm not one of them. And Mm. uh, I just, yeah, I really doubted what my body and our bodies are capable of. And it was running one mile that for me, it felt like running a marathon. Like I was Mm -hmm. like, I can't believe my bodies can do this. And, Mm -hmm. and so it really week by week, I started adding more miles. And by the end of the semester, I did a 10 mile run. And that's where you know, the, the thoughts start coming like, wow, if, if I said I could never do 10 miles and I did, maybe I could do this or that. And so really it was the first marathon and it was the first mile that opened up this whole new 
journey of, of, of endurance. And, um, I think what's most inspiring is after doing my first marathon, all those other people that I did it with, I mean, there were people in their sixties and seventies, there were people young, old, thick and thin. And it made me realize that, um, all bodies are, are welcome to, to this challenge. And, um, it's really a matter of, of like patience more than anything, Mm. just, um, giving your body time to adjust by gradually, um, increasing and, and, and allowing it to adapt. But I think, yeah, it's really shown me that if you listen to your body and, um, take care of it, it, it can do things that I, I never imagined. So, yeah. Yeah. I love it. So you went from, getting a grade in a class to trying something <laughs> to being able to see what your body was capable of and pushing it, but safely, right? We, I mean, I, I think that we both agree that we have to listen to our body. So there's times to push and there's times to rest. Absolutely. Um, and so when did you get out of the running and start to explore new areas of endurance? So I know it may sound like really like this is kind of indication of like what I thought it meant to do endurance. So I, after doing the marathon, I was like, man, I want to do an Ironman. And then I was like, well, I haven't biked for a long time and I've never really done like other than putzing around as a kid, I never did cycling. So I I was looking specifically to um, improve on cycling and, um, what's great about the internet is all you need to do is like Google a few things and you get all these Mm. like amazing opportunities to do cycling and cycling tours in the United States and beyond. And, um, I, uh, I ran across this, uh, cycling event called the big ride across America. And it was a, a ride from, um, uh, Seattle, Washington to Washington, DC. So a 3,300 mile ride. And it was for the American Lung Association. And um, my grandma uh, recently passed away from lung disease. And I would have never had the memories that that we shared if she didn't give up smoking the day I was born. So I was her first granddaughter and that was her commitment. And um, as soon as I ran across that website, I was like, I don't have a bike. I don't know anything about this, but I I didn't need a pros and cons list. I just really knew that um, that was that was the, the next thing. So I just remember like my dorm room uh, roommate was like, should I do it? Should I do it? And then I just clicked the registration button and I'm like, well, I guess I'm doing it. Like, um, so that was that was another like really awakening moment to see that. Um, first of all, fitness and wellness, it it doesn't have to be just going in the gym and running around in circles. It could be a way of intimately exploring our, our worlds. And I I think what's great about being on a bike is that there's no barrier. You're able just to, um, explore and meet people. And, um, yeah, sometimes when I do ride, it's almost like I'm watching my in any ultra it's like it's kind of an out-of-body thing where it's like you're you're pressing the button and you're just watching and exploring and soaking Mm -hmm. it in like it's I don't know sometimes I say it's like playing a video game where you're just like driving the car and it's Mm -hmm. like it could be that and so and it also could be a way to 
help people, which when I was 19 and I first did that, I was like, so wait, how is this going to raise money for people? And, and, and now it's definitely evolved. And um, I think people are very familiar with the concept and um, it's pretty amazing too, that riding a bike can be something that helps prevent someone from getting lung cancer and um, you know, all these really great causes that are worthy of the support. So that is, is why I wanted to like bike across America, but it was really just this like, you know, young person, like, well, if I want to do an Ironman, I should probably bike across America. Like I, I was just, yeah, that's I, wild. <laughs> I love it so much. And you were 19 at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So you did 3,300 miles. And how long did it take you? How long was that? Uh, tour? That was 40 days. And so there were 40 cyclists from all across the country. And we raised a quarter of a million for the American lung. And um, they did carry like basically all we had to carry was our food for the day. And Um, We were basically like camping and some once a week, we might have stayed at like a college dorm, but um, yeah, 40 days, about 85 miles a day. That's amazing. It was, it was quite the journey for sure. And to think about how you honored your grandma in that process too, makes it so truly fabulous. And you were introduced to spending more time on your bike. So did you end up doing an Ironman? I did. So (laughs) it was a few years later. It was probably uh, five years later, just because I did a swimming adventure and then rowing across the Atlantic was another big adventure that happened in between. And um, I also did race across America. So that's a a nonstop bike race um, and I did it as like a two person effort. Um, well, it started as a two person effort, but I like, I broke my pelvis. So I ended up mm. doing that on a hand bike, but, um, so there were a few other adventures, but eventually, um, yes, I did five different. You just Iron passed Man. over that. You just passed over that. Like it was no big deal. Oh, I broke my pelvis. <laughs> so I just switched to a hand bike. So did you break your pelvis riding? I did. So I, um, I'm from Cleveland and I moved out to California to be able to take advantage of the better training opportunities. And, um, I was out there for about six months and the last training ride I was doing, um, up and over the Santa Cruz mountains. So it was a ride that I've done like dozens of times. I knew every turn in the road, I knew every landmark, but yeah, what was different was I went down, um, uh, going down the mountain on the first like uh, turn, like in San- in the Bay Area, there's always like moisture in the air, mm-hmm. and so I'm not even like super aggressive or anything on downhills. I usually I don't know, I'm- and so I just it was just like a very instantaneous fall, and I immediately was like, wow, my bike is perfect. Like, um, because I mean, I, yeah, I don't know if that's just kind of where my mind went, but, um, yeah, my bike, I had no road rash. I don't even think I had like any torn, like cycling shorts. And, but then when I started to walk, I was like, okay, that's not right. Mm. So it was a Friday afternoon. And I was like, if I don't go to the doctor right now, I'll have to go to the emergency room. And I was like, 
seven days until this race, I definitely want to um, try to find if there's a quick fix. Like I thought I had pulled a muscle and um, that's, so I was at home with my web or my computer and it's like looking at WebMD for like pulled <laughs> muscles. And I was like icing and elevating. And I went, I eventually went to the doctor and, and they told me that I had um, broken my pelvis and I, I, I couldn't even believe it. I was like, wow. so they printed out the x-ray to show me it because I was like, no way. I've been training for six months. I can't know. I like yeah. you, it's, it's alive in your brain. It's alive in your mm. heart before it begins. So I left with my printout and crutches and they said, there's no way you're going to do that. And I got home and I just remember like seeing adaptive cycling and feeling inspired by that. Like, wow, these people aren't just like, okay, here's the setback. I'm just going to not do anything. They're going to work around it. So I've seen adaptive cycling um, setups. And so I basically just emailed every bike shop within a hundred miles. And 48 hours later, I was learning how to ride a hand bike and um, wow. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty amazing. Today's episode is brought to you by BikeFlights.com, the leading bicycle shipping service and bike box supplier for cyclists. You'll enjoy low costs, excellent service, and on-time delivery with every shipment, and you get preferred handling for your high-value bikes, wheels, and gear. As a brand built around a love for the outdoors, they are committed to reducing environmental impact and every bike flight's shipment is carbon neutral. Join the nearly 1 million cyclists who have used bike flights to ship their bikes, wheels, and gear with confidence since 2009 and see how easy it is to book, manage, and track all of your shipments. Visit bikeflights.com forward slash warm showers today for more information and to book your shipment. Now back to the show. So that was five days before the race across America. You had a broken pelvis and you found a hand bike. <laughs> I, I got really lucky. Like, it's a good wow. thing. That, like, there's so many cyclists in the Bay Area and um, someone was kind enough to let let me borrow it. And then obviously I, I was planning on doing 200 miles a day. And um, at that point, I was like, you know one of the training rides was one of those like 600 K rides. So it was 375 miles in 24 hours. So I was like super like trained and it was, yeah, I just, I knew but I using to... your arms is, is different. Using your Absolutely. arms is different. Oh yeah. yeah. Like I think as a cyclist, you let your arms go that you just mm -hmm. need them to hold you up, but you don't really need that yeah. muscle and weight for anything other than that, because yeah, it's all really quads. And um, so it was uh, fortunate for us because there were other friends on the crew that were also cyclists. Like one of the um, crew was someone on that ride across America for the American Lung Association. So um, we had like four other people helping. And so mm -hmm. it turned out from to a two person effort to basically like six. So there are people yeah. tag teaming it, but. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> you are incredible because after that, 
then you rode across the Atlantic. <laughs> the, the Atlantic was a year before, but oh, it was the yeah. year before. Okay. Yes. Let's, there's a, I mean, there's, see, you have all these fantastic stories of overcoming like barriers and I think it's absolutely wonderful. So tell us about the rowing piece. Like how did that come into play? Um, so I was living in Australia and it, I did my first ultra marathon. So it was a 60 mile or a hundred K race. And, um, it, it was that like a week after where it's like, wow, I never, ever thought I could do that. What are all the other things I'm telling myself I can't do mm. that? Maybe, maybe it isn't true after all. And so I had that feeling and sense and, I was on a bus just chatting to someone sitting next to me and we got on the topic of endurance challenges. And, um, I, I don't know, I was 19, 20 and I was like thinking I knew it all. I heard it all. And so I kind of glossed, glossed it over like, Oh, we're going to talk about the same things, climbing Mount Everest and sailing around the world. Not that those things aren't exciting. It was just, I, I'm, I'm curious. I think that's what drives mm -hmm. me. Like curious to see what's on the other side, curious to see if it's possible, curious, like a kid's curious to climb a tree or, um, so when some, this person that I was talking to mentioned that their friend rode across the Atlantic, like my, I was just so curious, like, how is this possible? And I was skeptical that it was even a thing. And like, it was so far beyond anything I've ever heard of, like, not only on a physical level, but on that mental level of like, being alone for months, like, so let's give people context, right? Like, how long <laughs> was this? How long did it sure. take? And yeah. give us the details of the actual, like, I don't even know how many <laughs> miles that is or how many hours of rowing that is. Give us some context. Yeah. So it was supposed to be around 2,600. It ended up being 3,000. I ended up a few countries off, but um, I it was a 70-day journey, um, mm. completely alone, no follow boat, no helicopter. And it was rowing, a uh, 19 foot rowboat with a, um, like an eight foot size cabin. All my gear had like different compartments, but, um, it was, uh, yeah, 3000 miles West Africa to South America. So Georgetown, Guyana in South America. And, um, yeah, every day was rowing about 10 to 12 hours a day. And it's nothing like rowing on like, uh, or if you go to the gym, it's the mm. best way to, for me to describe it is like trying to row while bull riding. Like you're just mm. constantly moving and trying to see when timing one to put your oar in the water. So it just gets, doesn't get caught in the waves. And, um, so during that journey, I had uh, like shark visits. I had pods of dolphins surround my boat. I had shooting stars and um, I had close calls with on other um, oncoming boats and other freighters. I thought I ran across pirates. I had um, phosphorescence, like this glowing plankton. And um, what, what drove me to that is to raise money for clean water. So that journey raised about $150,000 for clean water projects, um, all around the world. That is super amazing. Super amazing. 
um, I'm very fascinated by this rowing trip. <laughs> I keep thinking about, so 70 days on the same boat, you, yes. so you slept on the boat, you ate on the boat, yeah. you had all your gear with you, 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 like nobody brought you extra food, nothing like that? No, wow. I had a, like, I think the thing that would have taken up the most space is really just like water. And I had two solar panels on each cabin. So those solar panels powered all the electronics, but especially my um, desalinator, which converted the salt water into drinking water. And um, the rowing was like, I was utilizing my legs and back. It wasn't just like my upper body. So it was like a sliding seat. And, mm. um, yeah, but I had everything I needed within arm's reach for three, three months. So when when was that how long or how long ago from now was that that was in 2010 so um... 11 years ago wow you know i can imagine that there was a lot of people in your life at the time that must have wondered what are you doing why are you doing this well like my parents were like they weren't freaking out about it and so um they had an like agreement with each other that, or they had like talked about it and they're like yeah it's just a phase like she'll it'll pass eventually but then I bought the boat and that's when they were freaking out like no you can't do that I'm like I have the boat like (laughs) so of course like I think family and friends want to keep want you to be safe and they care more about you being alive than breaking a world record or doing these types of things and so um, my parents were definitely not sailors or boaters and not they were very upfront about you know we care more about her being safe we don't want her Mm -hmm. to do this but Mm -hmm. I think I mean I think it would be hard to have parents that would be pushing you to do things that would put your life at risk so I I would say that they fit the norm of what parents reaction would be right right um so no female had done that trip before there oh yeah there were maybe um, eight or 10. So I was the second American woman to do it solo and the youngest person to do it. Uh, and then the first American to row solo from Africa to South America. Um, ocean rowers generally do it from like Island to Island. So, um, for me, I just, so they go from like West Africa, they go to the, from the, uh, Canaries to the Caribbean mm-hmm. And to me, I was like, so you start on one island and then you end on another island that just looks like the other one. And I, I think I wanted to see, I, I really wanted the mainland to mainland experience, but mm. there are some additional like challenges with that because when you're in, going from the islands, you're in the trade winds. So, um, but yeah, it, we timed it just right. And so. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. So what's up next? (laughs) I'm I'm trying to think of how you could, how you could top these experiences. Not that that's the goal, because obviously you are by nature, very curious to keep learning what's possible. And I see that there must be other things on your, on your vision. Yeah, they like, I'm, I've never been like a bucket list kind of gal, but I've always 
been curious about and around the world journey by human power. And so that's actually why I did do the row because I was like, okay, so if you take this around the world journey, what's the part that's most likely to fail? What's the part um, that's most expensive, most difficult? And of that entire journey, it was the row. So I was like, well, you can bike. Like, honestly, if I was biking across South and Central America right now, it'd be cheaper than rent in Maine. Like, so Mm -hmm. I understand that once you have the bike and the gear, all it is really is food, visas. And if you really want to, you can get hotels here and there. But um, I... I did do the row with the intention to, to continue, continue on by bicycle. So from South to central up to North America, and then there's a way to get across the Bering sea. And then basically the rest would be cycling. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, that's amazing. Okay. So let's, all, all of this is incredible. I mean, those of you that listen to this podcast know that I'm not often um, lacking words. And you're one of the guests that like, I, ha- I I don't even have the words to properly explain how just inspiring it is to know that there are opportunities to see through your experiences on what's possible, which is why I know what you do, what you do is to not just for yourself, but to be able to show others that really, are, you know, our, our mind is connected to our capacity. Yeah. I mean, I, my hope for anyone listening to my story is like, if someone's like, Oh wow, she's so this or that. And that's so amazing for her. It's like, you're missing the whole point. Like Mm -hmm. I think and thought all the things you did too. And so I hope it's just showing people what they are capable of. And Mm -hmm. I didn't row across the Atlantic because I wasn't afraid to, I was afraid I was afraid. I'm still afraid. And I do all these adventures and fear is allowed to be invited. And fear is actually a really um, helpful tool to protect yourself and to think about things and um, plan for things. But um, it's not because I don't feel or think or doubt or fear. And um, I just, yeah, I just hope that people can see something in themselves through, mm-hmm. through my story more than anything else. Yeah, I, I believe they can, especially for our community who are very passionate cyclists or hosts for cyclists and know what it's like to maybe start something with one purpose and finish with another. And also just understand that our bodies do have the capacity to do way more than we think we do. It's mostly our mind that stops us. So I, I absolutely believe that what you're sharing is very um very in line with what a lot of our community experiences. So just to move on here, um, I know that you also co-authored a book and and this was about rowing. Yes. So I worked with another writer and it's called Just Keep Rowing, 70 Lessons for the 70 Days I Spent Alone at Sea. And so it's broken up into different sections where some of the focus is on um, really helping bring to life what's going on with water in our world. And then mm-hmm. just sharing some of the experiences I had at sea and um, hopefully how that applies to, to, to ways that you can take it into your, to your own life. So another thing about the book is that it continues to help fund clean water projects. So um, yeah, fundraising for water is something that 
I probably will continue to want to support. And what's really cool about water is like only about 30 to $50 can help one person get clean water for life. Mm -hmm. And so, um, with the book and other challenges, um, 18,000 people have gotten clean water. So, um, there's a few projects I'm, uh, working towards right now, um, for Honduras, Ethiopia, and, uh, Uganda. So, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Much, much needed and much appreciated, I'm sure. So, I know that you have told this story lots of times. So thank you so much for coming on our show and telling our listeners and our community at Warm Showers about who you are. And and if people want to find you or read more about your experiences or go into a deeper dive with you, how could they reach you? Um, so yeah, that I'm on social media. So Facebook is just hello, Katie Spots. So it's K-A-T-I-E, last name S-P-O-T-Z. Um, Instagram is just Katie Spots, and then katiespots.com is um, my website, and that's where there's like a donation link, and 100% goes uh, to the charity. So yeah, that's amazing. Well, Katie, thank you so much. I I'm super excited that you shared your story and that you are continuing to make changes in the world through the ripples of not just your nonprofit work and supporting clean water, but also just in the work that you're doing on yourself, because that creates ripples of changes around the world. Well, I'm just passing on what's been given to me. So I amazing. (laughs) Thank you. Well, thank you for joining us. And those of you that are listening, do not forget to give us a rating and a review, whatever app you're listening to us on. And if you want more information on how to get in contact with Katie Spots or read more about her story, we will put the link in the show notes and we will be back. Thank you for joining us. And we hope you enjoyed the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Wherever you are listening, please leave us a rating and a review as it helps us reach more cyclists and hosts around the world. This episode of Bike Life Podcast was brought to you by BikeFlights.com, your source for the best bicycle shipping service and bike shipping boxes. Check out their boxes from the small to the large, which is suited for any type of bicycle, whether it's a children's bike, medium-sized bike, fully assembled bike, e-bike, and any other type of gear that you have. Go to BikeFlights.com forward slash warm showers in order to check out the boxes and book your next shipment. Visit us at warmshowers.org to become a part of our community or on Instagram at warmshowers underscore org. If you would like to be a guest on the show or submit a question, please make sure to email us at podcast at warmshowers.org.